0: Hi everyone welcome to the first episode of women industry insights today we have uh, miss priya tanna who is um, an ex-employee of vogue she was the editor and um yeah let's um get into it so um my first question would be um if you could share a brief overview of your career journey and how you got to where you are today
1: wow that's that's a very long question and i'm going to try and answer it as interestingly and um, succinctly as possible but hey um, thank you for having me today and it's um, great fun talking to you so I think my career if I have to put numbers to it I would say I'm in my 30th year of my career right now and um Pretty much unlike uh, your generation, when I completed my graduation, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was toying with a couple of ideas and one of the ideas was um, to study jewelry designing because I come from a family of uh, jewelers and diamond merchants. However, I realized it pretty much in the first week that this was not something I was interested in because I kept falling asleep at the desk. Okay uh so definitely that was a strike for me then of course I even wanted to do advertising because I'd always been interested in words and you know newspaper and communication and all of that however I think I came from a fairly conservative family where my parents weren't very keen for me to traipse off to different different places to shoot ads and you know I'm talking about 30 years ago and that was a very different time right um so then I did what I know best and probably the one skill set that I had cultivated all through my uh, younger days was reading. And as a person who reads a lot, I think you're just better at expressing yourself through words than uh, others are so i used to be the editor of my school magazine interestingly and i used to be the editor of the rotaract magazine when i was in college so i took up an internship at a local newspaper called afternoon dispatch and courier which was then edited by mr the late Behram contractor who went on to become my mentor Uh, I still remember I walked in for the interview and I was chewing gum and I had, I was wearing these, I was wearing a t-shirt and these short shorts and he's like, do you think you've come to a school picnic? And I was like, no.
0: Sorry, my network completely glitched
1: do you want me to start from the beginning or
0: oh no I think uh, where you left off should be fine you sure yeah
1: okay so I joined him as an intern and um, he asked me which beat I wanted to cover and it's so unique and interesting now in hindsight but I chose crime I wanted to be a crime Mm -hmm. reporter and I wanted to see I think I'd read too many crime novels and like any other curious you know youngster. I wanted to know what the underbelly of the city was all about. And you know what, it was very intense. Um, I did it for about six months. But then I very early on realized that a, it wasn't necessarily safe. Mm -hmm. And B, um, I was beginning to get very, very interested in a whole bunch of other subjects. So I started off as an intern, I ended up being there for six years, where very early on, he gave me um, this 12 page supplement to edit every Thursday called Women's Extra and remember this that I had no formal training in in in, in uh, communication or journalism so I learned as I went along I learned how to copy edit I learned how to present a story I learned how to write a deck I learned how to write headlines um I learned how to interview people I learned how to lay out my own stories on my pages and edit 12 pages or 16 pages every single um, week. And I was with them for about six years. Then I moved on to launch and be a part of a dot-com startup, which I think was very early for its days then one of the financiers went bust even before we launched. And I moved on. That was a brief one year stint. I moved on to Bennett Coleman. That's the Times of India group. And I launched Femina Girl. And I also edited a whole bunch of their supplements. I used to be the editor of the Watch magazine. I used to, um, I had launched um, the A-list. I had launched um, a whole bunch of supplements. I was there for, uh, I think I'd like to believe about five years, four or five years. And then, um, my then boss moved on to start a newspaper of his own called the DNA. And he wanted me to be on the launch team. And I, it just sounded very, very exciting. And I became the launch editor of a, a daily entertainment newspaper called after hours. Um, I was barely two years into after us, and I got a call from a headhunter saying that they were bringing an international magazine um into India and if, you know, I would like to interview for it. And I was like, I'm not really interested because I have a job that I'm really happy with. But she kept chasing me. And just for, you know, just for shits and giggles, I actually went and uh sat through the interview and I realized it was for the launch of Vogue in India. Oh my God. I mean, when she asked me, she's like, so there's an international magazine that's launching, which magazine do you think it should be? And I was like, Glamour, Vanity Fair. I mean, Vogue was such a distant dream. I didn't even think Vogue would come down to India because I didn't even know if the market was ready for it. And now you have to remember that I grew up on a diet of Vogue's. When I was, I think from the time I was 13 Every family member who would come down from America and Europe would get me these old issues of Vogue because I loved, loved magazines. And I think Vogue and Time magazine were my only two real orientations and introductions to magazines overseas. So I used to collect both, you know, and there was Newsweek. So it was Time, Newsweek and Vogue, which were pretty much three of my, you know, bibles in terms of magazines so I was so familiar with everything the Vogue that the Vogue magazine and the the Vogue culture stood for so for me to sit through an interview with them was not as challenging and it probably might have been for somebody else who was just enamored by the word Vogue I went through one two three five rounds of interviews over three days oh. and um, I think they interviewed about Eight, anything between 80 to 100 people for the job i got the job and when i got the job i was the youngest editor of vogue in the world because all the other editors were in their 50s and i was just 33
0: i was That's with awesome. them for about
1: yeah it was very exciting and what was exciting Meka, was that we not only started the magazine we launched the company in india my my then md um alex guruvillam my marketing and my sales um heads four of us were working out of a little cubby hole and then we moved to this big office and we established what it meant to have a vogue in India but we also established what it meant to have a global publishing company in India and I was there with them for about 15, 15 and a half years and I think by then I felt that I had literally done everything I could in the print media space I'd also launched the digital edition of Vogue we were also doing events we were also uh, doing a lot in the space of social empowerment um and that's when uh, I decided to you know I said I think I've done a lot in that media traditional media space and um that's when I met Isha Ambani who offered me a role at Reliance Group of Industries and that's where I am. I had my own vertical called the right side. And what you can call it is it's a bit of a creative agency. So we service the existing verticals of Reliance Retail for, you know, as far as styling their campaigns are go, uh, um, as far as styling their campaigns go, um, building communication strategies for them. And in the middle of all of that, we ended up working on the launch of um, the Neetha Mukesh Cultural Center. We did the entire launch event. And now I'm actually currently working on three or four projects that I really can't talk about, but they're all going to be launching in 2024. So watch
0: this space for more. We'll be looking forward to seeing all of these launch soon.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So um, about the FEM column, which you had mentioned in one of your jobs. Um, what, Was this like a personal, uh, the personal reason for you um choosing to write this column or what was like the motive for it?
1: So you mean the column I wrote in my first job? Yeah. I used to write a column called Girl About Town. <laughs> and the fun part of this column was, it was the column about all the parties and the cool and glamorous things that were happening all over the city and the country. I would do two beats in a day, which means I would go in the morning shift and I would do the crime shift. And by evening, I would do the party shift. <laughs> so there was such an interestingly weird dichotomy in my work. I sometimes was like, what am I doing? I see like dead bodies by day and socialites <laughs> by night.
0: Like a dual personality.
1: <laughs> it really was.
0: <clears throat> and
1: and I think the the what what writing a column really does is that it puts a discipline in you that you know that every single week you have this task. Think about it like a task, right? That you have to write about 800 words. You have to be current. You have to know what's happening around you. You have to be the first to break some kind of interesting news. So that just keeps you more and more alert. At the end of the day, what do journalists do? It's basically people who can't mind their own business. We're all just more... (laughs) Think about it. Our entire lives are about reporting things that happen to other people, things that happen around the world, things that happen um, in in, in places far away from us uh, and and really how that impacts our lives and the world we live in. So innately, I think if you want to be a journalist, you come with so much curiosity and so much interest in everything and everyone. So I always say that journalists are the most curious and inquisitive People, you know and and that's really what the column was for me at that time
0: yeah you have to really stay on your toes I think like as a journalist oh you really stay oh involved in what's going on and how you write about it and getting to it first
1: absolutely and like I think with any profession right whether you choose to be a writer or you choose to be a doctor or a sailor or a hairdresser everything works when you have a certain discipline and a rigor and a routine so just knowing that I had to put this column out every single Thursday of my life made it so important for me to be alert that I just couldn't afford to not follow up on what was happening I couldn't afford to take that day off in that you know in that sense
0: yeah yeah it's like a constant discipline for an extended period of time
1: absolutely
0: yeah um so um, as a woman in the industry who's had such a great success um i wanted to kind of understand were there any barriers considering your gender or was it more um, was it more open or like relatively more accepting you know, that's that's a very interesting question and to be honest with you
1: Meka, i only started actively seeing the disparity or the the so-called divide As I grew older, I think when you're young, A, you're just so excited to have a job. And especially when you don't have any qualifications for it. A, that somebody gave me a job and then decided to pay me for it. I was like, hurrah, (laughs) life can't get better than this. And then I think at least personally speaking, I was just so in love with what I was doing. Every day I got to meet people whose lives were nothing like mine. I would meet them all. I would meet designers. I'd meet socialites. I'd meet criminals. I'd meet chefs. I'd meet um, politicians. I'd meet it's a world uh, of women, I like women activists, and you know, our lives are at least the life I grew up in. This very, very safe, protected, conservative bubble of a family that I lived in. This was like such a different life. I, for me, every day was like a new surprise, meeting a new of a person understanding how this world works in a differently unique way so i never thought about male female gender and even if that did exist i don't think it really bothered me because all i wanted to do was go out and get the next big story so i think when you're a in your work head down and and let's be also honest i was living with my parents so my next meal on the table was not coming from my salary, I wasn't providing. And I think that's also when you feel less of it. And we'll be, let's be honest. I think when you know from the beginning that your salary is going to run a home, you think differently about your job. You think differently about things like divide. You think differently about things like, am I being paid to the best of my ability? Or am I being paid less because of my gender? And and you know what? I was just very, very fortunate that I didn't have that problem. Having said that, I honestly worked my butt off. I have never taken it lightly that I came from a certain family of privilege. I worked like my life depended on it because that was just my work ethic that I, I, I felt like whatever I do, I have to do it for myself. Interestingly, as I grew older, I don't think I face the disparity very openly or in your face. I think you face it subliminally, at least in my line of work, where you know that men in in, in higher positions do get slightly uncomfortable when you are, firstly, you're young yeah then you're in a high position i still remember and i won't take names because he was a an advertiser who had come down from america and he met me at a party and he said oh you know um so who's your who's the main editor of your magazine and i was like it's me he's like no 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 he's like like who's your boss editor i'm like that's also me and he's like but you look like you know you've just come out of college and are you sure and i was like well If you didn't meet me, but you saw my work, you wouldn't be asking me this question. So the truth is, it is there, right? I mean, you hear about it, you read about it. Um, People who have been less fortunate than than me have experienced it. But you know what? The dialogue is changing. You, You know what? when you choose to work, and this is this all depends on the kind of company you work for and the people you choose to work for. I think we now live in a world where everything is so much more vocal, so much more open, so much more transparent and so much more accountable. Yeah. If I was paid less than a male counterpart 20 years ago, I don't think I could have done anything about it. But now the biggest companies in the world have HR resources that are focused only on providing gender equanimity at work. I'm very, very lucky to work for a company where we have a massive woman force. So I don't feel it, but I know it's there. And I know that the choices you make in terms of who you work for, what kind of questions you ask when you are being hired for a job, the kind of work you do into understanding if you were starting out and a man was starting out would you and he be making the same salary um how are you being appraised how are you getting a hike are you being made to sit at the same table where all the big boys are sitting I think so much of this is so much more open today that I think we're moving into a far more transparent world today than we were 20 years back and I just feel happy for your generation who's going to get into their own careers that you know you would probably have less of this to deal with and if you did then you know you have to make the right choices like you know you can't afford to not talk about it you can't afford to just swallow it because it's comfortable you know you can't just say it's okay because you don't need it it's a responsibility not just to you but to your like to your gender to your sisterhood that you we all need to express ourselves and i often find this Mika, that a lot of the disparity is there but a lot of the disparity gets you get away with it because women tend not to express themselves when money is concerned where position and power is concerned we are almost there's a certain conditioning where we almost feel guilty to be ambitious We almost feel guilty to say I'm better than the man at this job. We feel like we're going to become too ambitious and you know, too bossy and too like,
0: um, you never know how it's interpreted by those around you. It's always, but the same
1: thing, yeah, but the same thing a man does, then he's just alpha strong. It's all the labeling now, he's just so, so alpha, he's so confident, he's so in charge. But the same thing, if a woman was to do, then she's being bossy and she's being aggressive. So I feel the labeling exists, but I feel you have to feel comfortable to talk about it.
0: Yeah, you have to put yourself out there and feel confident yeah. in how yeah. you are and what you are doing and what you deserve yeah. as I a woman think in the so. industry.
1: I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. And um, do you have any key skills or advice for women apart from this who um, would want to go into this industry, yeah, any industry in gender? Yeah,
1: I do, I do. I have actually two important things that were told to me that have stayed with me forever. And the first is that literally, guys, I know we live in the age of gig economy and we live in the age of startups where people are becoming unicorn billionaires overnight, but in any form, there is no shortcut to success. There really isn't. And the only way this long cut is something you will endure is if you love what you do. Your end result can't be the money I make. Your end result is, am I changing this industry in any way after having entered it? Am I changing a conversation? Am I creating any impact? Do I love this enough to see myself in it for the next 20, 30 years? Um, We spend so much of our time at work That if you don't love what you do, it can become very painful. And I think we are such a, your generation is so pro-choice. Your generation is so much about expressing themselves freely and fully. Remember that you can only do something well if you truly love it. So that's the first piece of advice I'll give. And then the second piece of advice I'll give is... As women, whether we like it or we don't like it, we are blessed with the child-bearing gene. And at some point, a woman does have to straddle that extra bit as compared to a man. Whether we like it or not, whether we fight it or not, it's the truth. You are going to get married. You are going to live. And you are going to probably, if you're blessed with a man who runs the house in equal doses, then you will. Or you will run a house and you will have a child. And those are many many balls that we juggle in the air but remember that women are ace multitaskers so never feel guilty for wanting it all you can have it all you can want it all and why shouldn't you you can be a great wife a great friend a great mother a great daughter just go out there and figure out the equation that works for you. For some people working from home may work. For some people working part-time may work. For some, doing three days from an office and two days from home may work. Do whatever it takes, but you can have your vision of a rainbow. You can have your vision of the perfect life. Don't let anybody do you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know as a um, as a mother yourself we've seen in you over the years um what, what was it like during pregnancy or after having a at work and how balancing all the balls that you mentioned was it difficult how it was what, very um,
1: difficult and I wouldn't lie I want I I mean I had the best pregnancy um I love kids so for me and you know that So yeah. for me having having a A happy pregnancy was just, I didn't think it would be any other way. What was difficult is when he was born and he was young and I had to leave him to go back to work and I didn't want to leave him. So there was a lot of guilt. So now the, the, the maternity leaves are almost nine months if I'm not mistaken. But when I was at work, it was like three or four months and you had to come back to work. And Then I met a lady who told me something very important. She says, every day, one thing will be a hero. Some days your child will need you the most and you can't be guilty about your job. And some days your job will need you the most and you can't be guilty about your child. And I think that helped. I also think having the support of a family, my husband, my in-laws, my parents, just that them being around made this so much more easier and like they say it takes a village it takes a few things it takes great time organizational skills you have to be very good with time management you have to be punctual you have to be great at not wasting time you have to be task oriented and say i'll finish this so i can go back home in time to spend my time with my son um you need great help, whether that help comes in the form of a family member, a husband, you need that backup, that support. And I think today it's very important for children to see that both their parents are working. Why should they only see a working father? I mean, if that's what you wanna do, I'm all about pro-choice. If today all you really wanna do is sit at home and have a manicure, pedicure every day, I mean, go for it, you do you. But if you are someone who wants to have a career, you can do it all. I mean, it's not going to be easy, but hell, it's going to be worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just very inspiring to hear all of this. It's like at this young age, you're already so bogged down with so much work and hearing that it'll all be okay and you can juggle everything. It's just just very nice. You know, Mahika,
1: it was the same even for us in school, right? I think when you're in a situation, that situation seems very big. So when you're in when you're in the 10th grade or the 11th grade or the 12th grade, your exams seem like a the big of decision.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. When you go to college and, you know, you're trying to find your career, that seems big. Then when you grow up and get married, settling into a new family, that seems big. Then your child, that seems. So at any stage, we have something that makes it a bit overwhelming for us, makes it a bit exciting for us, nervous, nervous brings us some form of nervous energy. But, you know, I feel like I cannot tell you that some of the most incredible people I have met in my life have all been women. And I am not saying this in the diehard, burn the bra feminist manner, but I truly feel that women are so remarkable because of the ability we have to show resilience, to multitask, to juggle all our balls in the air and to get it all done at the end of the day. I mean, how inspiring are you as a student? You're an athlete, you study, you have great grades, you you do art, you are a great daughter, a good friend, I'm assuming. So you're already a multitasker and you don't know it. You're already juggling all your balls up in the air. And I think, I also think a lot of it has to do with your mental makeup, If you're the person who's not going to take life for granted and say, you have that fire and hunger in your belly to say that, hey, I may not be able to change this entire world, but you know what? I'm not going to leave it the way I came into it. In my own way, whether it's small or big, I want to drive some change. I want to change some conversation. I want to bring my brand of whatever it is that I have to offer into this world then you just go out there and do it. It's that focus. You need that focus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think also um, as a woman have, I think knowing as a woman that you have so many others who have the same story as you, a similar story is so empowering. And like, as you mentioned, you're never you spoke alone. to someone, you're never alone. And you're your experience never is alone. never alone. Yeah.
1: And which is why I really believe in the magic of sisterhood. I mean, I am such a girl's girl. I have the best female friendships I've had in my life. I swear by them. And I feel that, you know, you always hear about women messing stuff up for women. But when you see women supporting women, that kind of magic is something else. And if yeah. you can find even that one person in your life who does that for you, you're blessed.
0: Yeah, I've experienced that with my friends too the female support and the female emotions for each other it's just it's unmatched. It's next level yeah it, it it's just next level yeah yeah okay I I really love talking to you this is this is Aww. it was a nice um it was a nice spin to hear the positive parts of being a woman in the industry it's all it's not all bad it's not all doomed or all sexes it's It's, not
1: bad at all it's great there's
0: such amazing stuff that you can experience
1: and the other thing is what women are truly blessed with is eq which is this emotional quotient and today the way the world is moving the biggest companies and conglomerates are hiring people for their eq why do you think more and more women are rising to the top because in addition to making those bucks and going out there and owning a boardroom, we also have that ability to care. understand, empathize, care, put ourselves in somebody else's shoe. And I think that that really is what makes us so damn beautiful and special. Yeah, It's a, it's
0: never been a better time to be a woman. In and out of the workforce, both. is just amazing qualities yeah. to have yeah. as people. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um. I think this. I'm just. I. It was. It was lovely talking to you. Um. Thank you so Aww. much for all your inputs and the Zoom was meeting is also ended.